0: hey guys you're listening to God within her podcast with Regan and
1: Michaela and we're so glad you're here this podcast is a discussion about worldly topics and how to navigate them from a godly perspective stay tuned and thanks for listening guys thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of god within her podcast i am so excited (laughs) about today's episode but before we start you know i always gotta do it Mm -hmm. the awesome (laughs) lovely beautiful fantastic 10 out of 10 wow god-given regan
0: thank you so much you're too kind can you tell she's excited I don't know if you can tell. Michaela's on another level right now. So
1: I'm so hyper, like my hands are sweaty and I'm so excited cause today we're gonna talk about sex. And let's talk about sex. sex. I feel like a little kid. Like I don't know how to describe it. Like because it's such a taboo topic, I'm yeah. so excited to just break this down. This is part of our relationship series, but, like, we're going to do a couple episodes. We're going to bring some people in, mm-hmm. some guests. We're, we're just hype. So yeah. get excited with us.
0: Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. Some new, a little bit different stuff. Um, I know we've talked about, like, some difficult things, but I feel like this is definitely something every person deals with like every person is dealing with like these kinds of things thoughts desires so and it's not often talked about it's not often addressed so it's good to talk about it
1: yeah at all so let's do you want to like dive in just like jump in like okay so I have a question for you Regan Uh um when okay so it's a little bit of a three-parter no it's not
0: oh goodness
1: when when was the first time you learned about sex?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who was it that, like, talked to you about it? And what was the message? Hmm.
0: I genuinely don't think I can remember, like, a definitive time that I was just, like, learning about this whole brand new thing. I had no idea what it was. Yeah. Um. So I honestly, like don't know when the first time or like someone had explained it to me like I don't I wasn't kind of like one of those kids where their parents sat them down and was like okay we're gonna talk like have the talk and like explain to you what this thing is and like
1: that (laughs) the birds and the bees yeah exactly like
0: (laughs) I didn't have that so um I feel like through like talk school lunch talk with other girlfriends who maybe did have parents who explained that to them or um had like just known more about it um like through those conversations I had just learned about it and then
1: um yeah what what was the rest of the question (laughs) I think you you oh um you answered it who when was the first time you learned about sex who was it that talked to you about it and
0: oh what was the what message
1: it, yeah like I, what did it pertain
0: i mean i think growing up i always knew that it was like s- s- a taboo like i knew it was taboo because mm-hmm. it's it wasn't like openly talked about in my home um yeah so i guess there wasn't like a like definite message behind it just because i learned about it through like friends i feel like in school
1: yeah same i feel like everybody like every christian or um somebody that's grown up catholic like there was never like a definitive time where you really talked about the birds and the bees like yeah my first time learning about sex learning about the female body as a whole was right. i went over to my friend courtney's house and she had this book that her mom bought her we were in like mm-hmm. middle school it's like fifth or sixth grade and it was a book and it was called your body and you and it I taught know. you it taught you like everything like about your period. It talked about wow. sex. It talked about like but like we were so immature. We were like ha ha. Like we we didn't know what was going yeah, on. Right. Yeah, we just thought it was so funny like ha ha period. Yeah, right. But I think other than that, the first time like I really learned about sex was with my um in my church that I went to growing up. They would have like a purity retreat. Mm -hmm. every year and it was like Mm -hmm. a week long thing and it was like yeah pretty much don't have sex because that's a sin all right he wants to get their nails painted like it wasn't (laughs) it didn't go too deep into like discussion which i'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt because sex and christianity is a taboo topic and we'll like you know dive into that more but i think their whole thing was like okay if we don't if we don't talk about sex then they're not gonna think about it so we're just gonna tell them not to do it and then change the subject yeah but that didn't work (laughs) right
0: it's definitely like avoid this topic at all costs because if you make them think about it they're gonna want to do it more and it's like no like that's just in our nature anyway so it's something that needs to be talked about
1: more right like anatomically yeah we want to have sex. It's kind of like whenever you tell a little kid, like, don't do X, Y, and Z. Makes them well, want to do it more. <laughs> right, right. You tell them don't do it, and then you don't tell them why not to do it. Well, they're going to want to do it even more. Like,
0: Yeah, especially if they don't understand your intentions behind why you're saying don't do it. Like, if right. you don't know the reasoning to not do something, you're not as convinced not to
1: (laughs) exactly so that's what I think that it was like personally for me growing up I think for a lot of Christians and like Mm -hmm. people that had a relationship with God growing up it was just kind of like yeah sex is a sin until you're Mm -hmm. married and that's that's that so stay pure but there weren't any like tips or tricks or like okay if you're in that situation what do you do type of thing
0: Like, the reality of the matter that you're going to come to points where you want to or, like, I don't know. There's such a variety of those situations that come up. And if you don't know how to deal with that or you haven't learned about that, it's hard to navigate it in a Christian way or how God wants you to if you haven't understood that.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why sex is so dismissed in the christian community yeah. i feel like now though like our generation we're just kind of like a open transparent like this is what i go through mm-hmm. type of generation so mm-hmm. i definitely see us like being more honest about the struggles that we go through and like especially with sex but growing up that was just like not that was not a thing yeah you just didn't talk about it
0: yeah so i mean it's not talked about but sex is something that God created and it's something he designed for us to enjoy. And it's a gift. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not something he doesn't want us to have. Like if he didn't want us to have it, he wouldn't have created us to be able to do that. And physically we are. Um, And like he created us for that, but he designed it specifically for a certain time and place. Mm -hmm. And that's within like marriage with our spouses. Um, And if, You're deciding to be physically intimate with your partners before marriage. In that sense, you lose intimacy with your father because he desires for you to have that within the covenant of marriage.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he gives us our bodies. Like, our bodies aren't ours. And Mm -hmm. he says that in the Bible. Um, Our bodies are used, you know, are supposed to be used to please him. So when you are having sex with your husband or your wife, Believe it or not, like, even though society makes sex feel like this, like, dirty, nasty, like, sneaky thing, when you're having sex within the realms that God wants you to have it, like, you're glorifying him.
0: Yeah. You're doing weird something he designed. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And it's like, thinking, you don't think about it as, like, a gorgeous. uh, God God glorifying act like you just don't think about it that way because of how the world has shaped it to become like yeah and even because of pornography like sex has become such an like objectifying like just straight physical act that doesn't involve intimacy and you lose the purpose behind it.
1: Yeah. Michael Todd put it. Okay. So, you you know, I'm reading Michael yeah, Todd's relationship. Book. I just showed you the book, but <laughs> he put it in a really cool way. Um, he said, whenever you are having sex before marriage, not only are you doing that sin, but there's another sin that goes along with it. So, okay. So for example, like, you, you live at your parents' house and you have a girlfriend and you're going to go to her house and have sex. You're not going to tell your parents, hey, I'm going to go have sex with my girlfriend. I'll see you at 11 o'clock tonight. No, you're going to say, hey, I'm going to go hang out. We might go to the movies, might go bowling. So right. you're lying. Like right. there's there's always something that goes along with having sex outside of that container, I guess you can say, that God put sex in. Right. Yeah, it's, it's just I don't
0: know. And when you're not married, it's not a bad thing to desire to have sex and to be attracted to your partner. Um, we're created to be that way. And it's not something to be ashamed of if you desire to have sex, um, especially when you're intentionally dating someone and, you know, you want to marry them or you see them as like a possible spouse. You want to. To be intimate with them. Oh, I'd hope you'd be
1: attracted to them.
0: Right. And that's not a bad thing, but pursuing it and acting on it before marriage is unloving. And pursuing it would be unloving to your partner, you know, because you're bringing them into that sin with you. You know, it's not just something to you. It's something you bring another person into and God doesn't want that either.
1: Yeah, I, exactly. I would just, there's nothing else I can add. You literally took all my yeah. words on that. And I mean, I'd hope that you'd be attracted to your partner. Like being physically attracted to your partner is not something where like, okay, when you're dating, you're not attracted to them. As, and then whenever you get married, it's like a switch turns on. Like, oh, mm-hmm. now I'm sexually attracted to you. Like, yeah, you should be attracted to your partner because that's going to be your future husband or wife. Right. Like,
0: Yeah. And like we said, like, attraction can come from more than just physical things. It shouldn't mm-hmm. come from more than just physical things. Um, yeah. In past episodes, we've talked about that, but,
1: yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you want, go ahead and... Go ahead and listen. <laughs> and then come back. <laughs> yeah, here for yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, no, go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, and, like, with the previous note that you said, too, uh, you said that, like, God created sex. Like, sex Mm -hmm. is good. So, with that, I mean, whenever we're in the right uh, situation to have sex with our husband or wife, we shouldn't feel shame. We shouldn't feel fear. Like, we shouldn't be. Yeah. And,
0: like, if you've had sex in the past or you've struggled with sexual temptation or you currently are struggling with that, It's okay, and you're not alone. A lot of other people are struggling with that too, but it's Mm -hmm. never too late to try and stop and to be better and to be the best we can be and to start to align our hearts with Christ. Um, I just read a chapter in a book that I'm reading called Come and See, and it says, It is not the people who hide their hang-ups who get well. It is the ones who hang them out to be addressed, helped, dealt with in communities of grace. Mm -hmm. So... There's not a single sin that we're, we are going to be able to, or we should hide. Like we shouldn't hide sin and pretend like we don't have it because the only way we're going to get better and heal is if we're vulnerable with others in community. And we admit that we need Jesus and we need our, when we ask our community and God to help guide us in a better direction.
1: Yeah. When you say, um, when you say like about hiding Regan, I think of, um, Adam and Eve, after mm-hmm. they ate the apple and God came down and it was like, where are you? Where are you? When I read that, I'm like, you guys, like God knows where, where they are. Like, <laughs> you silly <come> goose. On. <laughs> like you silly gooses, come out. You know, he already knows." But then I asked myself, like, how many times have I done that? Where I just like yeah. hide where I'm like, okay, I'm just not going to talk about this with God. And then we're just going tell like it didn't happen. Yeah. But... Surprise surprise, God is all knowing. Like mm-hmm. don't be afraid to come to God with your sin and let him mm-hmm. renew you. Like let him change your heart.
0: Yeah. And not only like allow him to do that, but allow your community members to do that because God can God forgives your sins, but admitting things to community brings healing. Like you are forgiven by God and those sins are forgiven, but you can get you like healing comes from talking with community and improving mm-hmm. on those things. So, yeah, yeah, we shouldn't hide from it.
1: No, and I think having a community too helps tremendously because mm-hmm. you have somebody that's keeping you accountable. Right. You have somebody there that can, you know, speak some truth into you, that can pray with you, that can give you new insight. Like, mm-hmm. you should definitely have community there, because whenever you got the devil loves to just like keep you alone in your thoughts. So if mm-hmm. you are struggling with a sin alone, that is the perfect time for the devil to distort your mind, distort your mm-hmm. thoughts, make you make you feel shame. Um yeah. But whenever you add more people into your circle, you have more like prayer warriors, you have more people, like I said, speaking truth into your life, you have a, a stronger army to fight against the sin that you're going
0: through yeah definitely and I think like that sort of accountability is what we need and like to be honest with ourselves and to be that community for others where we're like hey how are you dealing with this like how have you been this week with this thing like have you been intimate with your significant other this week you know what I mean like just being honest and open and not avoiding it because I would want the best for like my other community members too and in order to help them be the best, I would need to ask those hard questions.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're exactly right. And you listening, hi, you're part of our community. So we want to be there for you um, and help you in any struggles that you're facing too. Mm -hmm. Before we hop into these questions that our listeners have sent to us, Regan, do you have anything else that you want to add? Just kind of like you know, as an introductory to our, to our series here.
0: I don't think so.
1: Okay. Well then question number one. Yeah. All right. So the first question that was sent to one of our listeners, again, thank you so much to everybody that sent in questions. Mm -hmm. Like you guys were hard hitting the bomb, like 10 out of 10. Love you guys. Okay. So What did everyone else's parents say about sex other than to not have it? Mm -hmm. Um, I guess I'll go first. So my mom, when she talked to me, she would talk to me not necessarily about like biblical like things or like biblical terminology. She would talk to me about her experiences. So Mm -hmm. hopefully I'm getting these ages right, but... Um, she got pregnant with me when she was 18. She then had my brother, um, Isaiah, and then my brother, Gabriel. So she had three kids by the age of 24, which I'm 25. I could not imagine yeah. taking care of three people, including myself. Yeah. Um, but she was a single mom. Um, and so we saw her struggle. We saw her like fight to give us everything that we wanted and needed growing up. And she pretty much like instilled in me, I like a pretty young age, I would say maybe middle school, um, she's like, look, if you're going to give yourself away to somebody, give it to somebody that you love, Mm -hmm. um, and you should wait, you know, until marriage, Mm -hmm. and that was pretty much the talk that she gave me, like, she didn't really use, like, any scare tactics, like, if you have sex, you're going to hell, or, like, (laughs) anything like that, (laughs) she pretty much just was like, look, this is what you should do, Mm -hmm. But if you don't do it, like, let's talk about it. Right. Like, you should wait until marriage. But if you don't wait until marriage, we need to have a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. mother to daughter with love. Yeah. Um, but that that definitely helped, like, her talking to me about it um, in that way. Instead yeah. of, like, you need to do this because if not, this is in. And that's that. Like, yeah. she, she used her experiences, which helped a lot, honestly.
0: Yeah. It's always a good idea to like approach things in love so yeah 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 um for me personally I think like I said earlier um it was just not about like a not a topic in my home it was not Mm -hmm. something we discussed often or that like was an open conversation um with my parents really ever I know um like I said like I learned about it heard about it through school or friends Um, But I did grow up in the Catholic Church, so I knew that sex outside of marriage was a sin. Like, I knew that it wasn't, like, you can do whatever you want, you can have it whenever you want. You know, like, I knew, like, the confines of sex. Um, Mm -hmm. But I did feel like, in certain senses, my parents did use scare tactics. Um, Not so much, like, you will go to hell. Like, not that, but just more so, like, I mean, if you do this and you do get pregnant by... Like, and who knows if like the dad will want to be around, then you're going to be on your own to take care of it. And as a young girl in high school, that doesn't make you want to have sex because (laughs) you have so much like you have college and it's like, how would you make that work? Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like those things kind of like scared me. So yeah. in that sense I feel like that was where I learned about it and kind of what they said. But other than that, it was kind of an unspoken expectation that you did not have sex before
1: marriage. hmm Yeah. I think like I said, I think a lot of houses, like a lot of Christian homes or Catholic mm-hmm. homes are like that. Like just Avoid. Let's it. just let's just not talk about this right now. We'll talk about yeah. when you're when you're older and then you're older and it's like, wait. Yeah. So. it's
0: like I don't want to tell them because then they're gonna think I'm having it and I don't know I, I just think it like right. spirals in a sense when it's not an open conversation where you're like there's trust and stuff like that
1: that's a good point to bring up that like even if you're not having sex but like you hear people talking about it in school and you're like hmm like it's hard to go to your parents because parents are always like, well, why are you asking me this? Why right. did you have it? Did you da-da-da? Yeah. Like, I, my, people, there were people in my grade, in, like, eighth grade having sex.
0: Yeah. And I
1: had no idea, like, how to even start facilitating <laughs> that, like, but I was, like, kind of scared to go to my mom because I do not want her to think, like, oh, you're having sex? Right. But, I mean, she was pretty, I mean, she was pretty open. She always facilitated the conversation herself, but. Right. You're right. Some people like it's just hard to talk to their parents about that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So question number two. Yeah. How does sex and Christianity coexist? So <laughs> I that's a good question. Um so I think sex and Christianity coexist beautifully because God created sex. Like we talked about before, mm-hmm. sex is good, mm-hmm. which we talked about before, and God created sex for us to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. So, whenever you look at the creation story of Adam and Eve, in Genesis 2:24, Adam and Eve were two; they became one. And whenever it talks about the two becoming one, not only was that mentally and emotionally but that was physically too. Like God was giving them the okay to like do your thing. And they weren't ashamed of it. Like they walked around the garden and they were naked and they felt no shame. And this is originally God's design for sex. And it's something that's supposed to be enjoyable for both us and our partners in marriage. And whatever you look at Hebrews 13, four, it says marriage is honorable and all um, and the bed undefiled. And undefiled means pure. So marriage is honorable to God And the bed is pure, pure meaning that you've waited until marriage. Um, But like we've talked about in Christian teaching, we're so told, like we're told so much that sex is a sin that it almost makes you feel like sex in any situation is a sin, even if you're married, but that's not the case. So it's important to not separate sex and God, um, because when you do separate sex and God, you get the worldly view of sex. Um, which is a world of pain, sexual slavery, despair. Um, So I think we have to remind ourselves that God invented sex, which -hmm. is hard to think because right now in the world that we live in, sex is such a like a sneaky, slimy like thing, but God did not design it to be that way. So we have to look at how God defines and created sex. So I think that they definitely coexist, and I think that they should coexist in the church more, and I'll leave it at that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they are meant to coexist. I don't think, I don't think they, um, just looking at our world, I don't think they can't coexist. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that how I said that right? I don't think, yeah, I don't. I think they have to coexist because there's no sex outside of Christianity because it was created by God. So it's not a forbidden thing in Christianity. It's to be embraced, but in the confines of which God created it to be.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. If you use sex the way that God intended it to be, then it is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's It's a soul tie between you and your partner for life yes just like adam and eve two yeah. became one flesh so yeah.
0: so yeah i think they have to coexist honestly mm-hmm. um yeah. okay third question good question great question how do you define the line
1: uh, good question so
0: i think a lot of people want to know this because in some sense people are like well how far is too far how far mm-hmm. can i go you know and Here's what I'll say. Um, JP from Watermark Church, he always uses this analogy, and I just think it really explains what, like, our generation deals with and, Mm -hmm. like, how we look at it. So, he says, once our bodies start preparing for sex, you've gone too far. And he compares this to moving sidewalks at the airport. He says, you've stepped on one that's taking you somewhere, and the only way to get off is to climb over the side or go all the way to to the destination. Climbing oh. over the side was never the intention, but neither was getting to the destination before marriage. So stay on this side of anything that would prepare your body for sex. So... I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> if you've been in this situation where you're starting to go there, you understand what this analogy is saying, mm-hmm. that it is incredibly hard to stop once you've started because it's moving. And yeah, in order to stop, it's, like, going the extra mile to do something crazy and jump over the rail, and it's just, like, not, it's just not, you're not meant to jump over the rail. Right. But you're also not supposed to get to that destination. So, the line needs to be drawn before this point if you desire to practice purity and not put yourself in that temp- tempting situation. Um, and I think this this line's different for couples. Um, mm-hmm. But the Mm -hmm. line should be at anything that begins to allow your body to prepare for sex. And um, I think the best and healthiest thing you can do with your partner is to just say, sit down and have a conversation with each other and be like, Okay, well, we can't you can't do these things because for me that takes it to that point. It takes it too far. And so I'd really appreciate if we you didn't do this so we can better practice purity um, and help. Each other grow closer closer to Christ.
1: Yeah, and if you're like with somebody, you should feel comfortable talking about that. Yeah, like you should feel comfortable comfortable bringing that up. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was that's a really good analogy because the Bible doesn't really give a set description on what the line is, and I think some people like want to know what the line is so they know like how far is too far, like. Right. I wanna I wanna get a little bit of spectral pleasure, but I don't wanna go too far. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: but Romans six thirteen says, Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourself completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have a new life. So use your body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Um, so that means that any act that makes you an instrument of evil to serve sin is past the line um so like she said anything that makes you all riled up and ready to go that could be like for some people that's different so like for some people sexting is like that gets them like riled up and ready to go some people listening to like inappropriate music that like has lyrics about sex or like things like that some people it's thinking about sex um but if you don't know what your line is um let your body tell you and pray for sexual surrender. So like, just like she said, like, don't get on that moving walkway.
0: Yeah.
1: Because we're not intended to jump. We're not intended to go. We're intended to stay. So pray for sexual surrender. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. I really like that analogy. He makes, I think it just makes it very clear and honest and not like, Oh, you can do this, but not this. And like, allow like we're not trying to like allow things that aren't good and healthy for your relationships because we want you to succeed in those um but in this sense it keeps it's like an easy way to avoid that temptation and to keep pure you know
1: exactly exactly because i i I think god intentionally didn't put a line in the bible Mm -hmm. for a reason
0: yeah because he's not going to allow you to be like doing things <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You, you can do a little bit of this but don't do that like yeah no, no. all of it all of it yeah um
0: okay fourth question how do how do you think jesus feels about masturbation um so masturbation is not something that's explicitly explained in the bible however i think there are definitely like verses that can guide us on what just jesus felt about it mm-hmm. um and if you're in that situation and you're viewing pornography, um, that is looking at another man or woman that is not your spouse or significant other with lust. And Jesus says in Matthew five twenty eight that lustful intent is committing adultery. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, even if you're looking at pornography and you don't have a girlfriend, boyfriend now, that is still committing adultery to your future spouse you know, looking at others with lustful intent, and that's not what Jesus wants us to do. Yeah. Um, And then another thing that can kind of guide us as to what he thinks is that he says, or in Philippians 2, 3, it says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. So it's basically saying don't do anything self-serving, don't be selfish, but serve others. And masturbation just seems it is self-serving and Jesus feels Mm -hmm. that we should never do that and we should always put other for others first. So I just don't really see how it could ever be putting another person first, like in any situation, any way you do it, it's never putting another's desires before your own. So it is, it is self-serving and that's not what Jesus
1: desires. Yeah. It's the most self-serving sexual act. I think that you could do. Yeah. Um, With that, I do want to add 1 Peter 2.11, which says, dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage against your soul. Um, And like you said, like the Bible is pretty, I don't want to say silent, but like quote unquote silent. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like it doesn't physically say in the Bible, don't masturbate, point blank, period. But Masturbation is providing a sexual pleasure outside of marriage, just, so it's a sin. And yeah. like you said, usually when somebody's masturbating, they're watching porn or they're watching something that is getting them physically aroused that isn't their significant other in marriage underneath that covenant. Yeah. And in the Michael Todd book, mm-hmm. um, they uh, he was talking about a couple that watched porn um, while they were together, and then whenever they would have sex they were only they weren't even thinking about each other they were thinking about yeah. the images that they've seen right um which is not it's not how god intended it to be yeah. like he, he wants it to be such an intimate thing with two people and masturbation just doesn't allow for that
0: yeah and i just think like i think pornography is just such an awful thing in this world and Just honestly, like, I don't think anything good comes from it. And if your partner is watching it, they are performing sexual acts with, like, without you. And it's, in a sense, cheating on you. And basically lustfully looking at two-dimensional pictures and videos.
1: So, And it causes, like, a... It almost causes just, like, unrealistic expectations for your partner because then you're, like, when you're doing things with them, you're like, oh, well, this person that I watched on porn does it this way. Like, I don't know. It's just – that's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, it
0: does set, like, bad expectations and also bad boundaries and just, like, objectifying – that act, you know, and not having Mm -hmm. it be something that's meant to be intimate and to bring you closer together in love, you know? Yeah,
1: exactly. That's that. So that's Um, that on that.
0: (laughs) And then our final question that we're going to do for this episode is if I'm dating and in love with someone, is that okay? As long as I'm committed to one person, isn't that the same thing? (gasps) So I feel like a lot of people, Like, even Christians, like, do believe that. They're like, I'm committed to my boyfriend, so, like, what what does it matter? Mm -hmm. So, I don't really believe that God intends for us to have sex outside of marriage, even if we are committed. And I would have to ask, if you are committed to one another and to one person, why aren't you married? Um, Because marriage is, like, that ultimate commitment, and it's that binding covenant, that, brings two people together and I don't really think it's a coincidence that God says that two will become one flesh in marriage like Mm -hmm. that he uses that wording you know and dating isn't a binding covenant to one another even if you are loyal and committed like those are good things but it's not that covenant made before God um so it causes more hurt and pain I think possibly to have sex with your significant other and to be so physically and emotionally involved outside of marriage when they aren't committed enough t- to be married to you
1: mm-hmm. and it's hard don't get me wrong like i wish i could sit here and say like oh i followed everything exactly the way that it should be because yeah. being humble open, open and transparent, transparent. <laughs> i you know i've been in in past relationship where that was broken you know what i mean yeah. like i've you know but so okay so in mark 10 6 through eight, it talks about a man leaving his family for his wife and like you said the two become one mm-hmm. and just like you said the wording of that is exactly how God intended it, obviously, yeah. but there's no denying the reason why he did that is because God said wife and not just woman or partner. Right. Um, because God created this binding covenant specifically to be shared for a husband and wife. And yeah. you might be asking like, Michaela, why would God set it up that way? Well, because whenever you have sex with somebody, <laughs> you become soul tied. Um, and just to kind of give like a little general consensus of what soul tying is, It's a spiritual connection between two people that have been physically intimate. So it forms an intense spiritual and emotional relationship between two people. And you're probably asking, okay, well, Michaela, I said, I love my significant other. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, unfortunately, if it ain't set in stone, i.e. a ring, it's not 100% determined to last. So you can have a soul tie with somebody Mm -hmm. that you're not even with anymore. Right. And it, it hurts. You're setting yourself up for pain. That's mm-hmm. so unnecessary and not what God intended. And also if you're in love with somebody and you're fully committed to one another and you look at this person and you're like, I love them. And this is the person that I want to marry. Having that dialogue of waiting is important and it should be a conversation that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, you should be comfortable enough to have that conversation. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of think of like sex outside of marriage like glitter in a box almost so like mm. glitter is pretty glitter is cool to look at glitter is like fun to play with but when you let glitter out of the box it gets everywhere like it gets in places where it shouldn't be right so when you have sex sex outside of marriage and gets in it gets in so many places that it shouldn't be and it can affect so many things like your emotional health your physical health your um, your relationships with other people your relationship with yourself and your body like it just affects so many mm-hmm. things so I think yeah. you know just having that dialogue with your with your partner is important yeah. at this point
0: point. and talking about like your the soul tie and everything um I remember in high school in my religion class, we did, like, a little almost experiment where we each had, like, a piece of tape on our hands. And we went around the class just going up to different people and your friends and having them, like, if you went up to them, they were supposed to, like, take the tape off your hand and put it back on. And you were to do the same thing to them. And you just go around and do that with multiple people and then sit back down. And it's, by the end, the tape's not sticky anymore. And, Mm -hmm. Like, we're the same way when we decide to have sex with people, um, that, like, the first time it's something special, it's something new, and it's something um, important between those two people. When it's, like, that first experience, it's that, like, really sticky piece of tape, but after more and more people, it becomes less important, and or not important, but less of, like, um, like a binding thing, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. And I that's literally biologically proven. Like, we get almost, like, addicted, and then we can grow a tolerance to, like, the certain hormones or endorphins, whatever's released when we we're having sex. So, I mean, don't quote me on what that is. I, but, like, you know what I mean? The science behind that is that we can grow a tolerance to those things, and then it's not as much of, um, like, that pleasure we feel the first time. You need so, more. So, yeah, it's important that like we are doing that and waiting for that with our spouse in marriage because we want that to be like important and um like pleasurable in marriage and not have it be something that's gotten so like normalized and it doesn't mean anything to us anymore
1: yeah it's kind of like a cigarette like when somebody first starts smoking cigarettes the nicotine is like whoa yeah that's awesome and then right. they get used to that one cigarette and they're like, okay, I'm going to do two. I'm going to do yeah. three. And then after a while you're smoking two yeah. packs of cigarettes and it's just not enough. Yeah. Um, so I do want to say to the people that are listening that may be like, okay, Michaela and Regan, my piece of tape isn't sticky anymore or right. these two packs of cigarettes, they aren't doing it for me. You know, right. how can I combat this? Yeah. Um, I was reading this book at the beginning of quarantine, which um, was really, I mean, it's an awesome book. It's called It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. And it was perfect for the timing of quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, but she pulls out specifically um, Hebrews twelve one through 2. And just to read it really quickly, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangle, and let us run with perseverance that race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And she says, to be able to run free, to be able to run free from our sins, we must do three things. One, we are to throw off what hinders us, so surrendering our current struggles to him. Two, stay free from the entanglement and pray to God for strength. And three, we are to persevere by keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the author of our story of faith. So if you're struggling with sexual impurity, Hebrews 12 is is a really good place to start um, and, you know, praying through that. Pray for him to help you stay free from entanglement, to throw off what hinders you, things like that. Um, it's definitely not easy, trust me, but yeah. it's worth it.
0: Yeah, it's not easy, and it's it's something that happens over time. It's not an, like, an immediate thing, and it takes work, but it's never too late to do that. You know, God loves you just the way you are, and he's never going to stop loving you, but he loves you enough to not leave you where you are, so mm-hmm. he wants you to. Be better and be the best version you can be and he wants you to come to him and to need him and to surrender things to him because he's constantly searching you out
1: he sure is He sure is. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. We are so excited to see where this goes. We are so excited to answer the rest of your questions. Um, If your question didn't get answered, don't worry. We are getting to it. And we have uh, some special guests. um, Yeah. And their wisdom is kind of below your mind, and we are just so excited. Um, but we hope that you enjoyed the rest of your day. Thank you for listening to us. We had fun talking with you, and we love you. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning into this week's episode of God Within Her podcast. If you heard God speak to you through this podcast, be sure to let us know by subscribing and giving us a review. And if you feel someone else could benefit from what you heard today,
0: be sure to share it with them. You can find us on Instagram at God Within Her Podcast. Thanks for listening and talk to you in the next one.